April 2011, a brightly lit classroom inside Stanford University. 20-year-old Evan Spiegel is feeling confident. Six weeks of work have led to this moment. Tall and gangly with brown hair and eyes, Spiegel's got the swagger of a cocky upperclassman. He's about to show off his final class project, a prototype for a new app he believes will fundamentally change the way people communicate. As 30 students and two professors watch, Evan struts to the front of the class. But what raises the stakes of this particular presentation is the panel of a half-dozen venture capitalists from nearby Silicon Valley waiting to hear his pitch. This isn't just a class project for Spiegel. He's auditioning his app for potential investors. He shows off a screenshot of the app, a timer with a drop-down menu. This is Peekaboo. You use the app to take a picture. Now, at the bottom of the screen is a blue toolbar that lets you select how many seconds you want the photo to be viewable for. After that, it disappears forever. Then you can click the Send button on the toolbar and choose which of your friends to send it to. He pauses and puts his hands together. Not every picture is meant to last forever. Any questions? He smiles. He nailed it. Now, all he has to do is negotiate the investment terms. But he's getting a lot of blank stares. The investors are quiet for a moment. Then, one of them pipes up. Why would anyone want to send a photo that disappears? Another chimes in. Maybe you could make the photos permanent and partner with Best Buy? Spiegel looks at the VC's graying temples and business casual dress shirts. Oh, Spiegel thinks. They're too old to get this. They've completely missed the point. Spiegel politely shakes hands with the VCs before returning to his seat. As the investors file out, the teaching assistant pulls Spiegel aside. What the hell? Did you build a sexting app? The TA's not completely wrong. Spiegel's a hard-partying college junior. Everyone around him is texting explicit pictures. Sexting is the new flirting. But classmates are beginning to realize they don't want those nudes to live online forever. The investors don't get that. There's a generational disconnect standing in his way. But Spiegel's undeterred. He's convinced there's a need for his app. If he can just get this app into the hands of his peers, it'll take off. He knows he can hit it big. Facebook big. To build it, he's working with two of his frat brothers. The friends don't know it yet, but Peekaboo is going to become Snapchat. And like Facebook, Snapchat will explode. That's what the upstart is shooting for to oust Facebook or nearly die trying. From Wondery, I'm David Brown, and this is Business Wars. In our new series, we follow Snapchat's rise and fall and rise again. 
as the young upstart tries to replace the giant incumbent, Facebook. But as Facebook gets wise to the new kid in town, the tech behemoth isn't afraid to play dirty. Snapchat will have to battle Facebook to survive. This is Episode 1, Vanishing Act. Spring 2011, Kimball Hall, Stanford. It's a large yellow building with a tree-lined entrance, one of the newest and nicest dorms on campus. 20-year-old Evan Spiegel is right at home within these elite walls. He's got boyish good looks, straight white teeth, an easy smile, and close-cropped hair. His parents are wealthy lawyers in California. Spiegel is sitting in his dorm room, tapping away at his laptop, just tooling around online. Down the hallway, his friend Reggie Brown is smoking a blunt with two frat brothers. Rosy-cheeked with blonde hair and a round face, Brown is a preppy all-American junior studying English. He's been texting girls' explicit photos of himself, but he feels uneasy about them floating out there in the world, possibly for anyone to see. Future employers, his professors, his family, they're all just a click away. There's got to be a way to text a photo and then have it disappear. Wait, he thinks. I'm a freaking genius. Brown leaps out of his seat and dashes down the hall. His classmate is sitting at his desk. Evan Spiegel looks up as Brown bangs open the door. Evan, listen to this. Imagine you can take a picture, a nude, and just send it to your girlfriend, but it disappears. You wouldn't have to worry about getting it posted on Facebook or something. Spiegel jumps up. Holy He starts pacing the room. The wheels are turning. Wow, that's a million-dollar idea. Spiegel is wrong. It's not a million-dollar idea. It's a billion-dollar idea. Multiple billions. For Spiegel, this is the Holy Grail. He's a junior at Stanford's product design program. Stanford is smack-dab in the heart of Silicon Valley. It's a pipeline to the Bay Area's bubbling tech scene, churning out mega-entrepreneurs. By 2011, Facebook is valued at $65 billion. Twitter is valued at $9.25 billion. More than anything, Spiegel wants to be among their ranks. He's confident and ambitious, egotistical even. He grew up in the Tony Pacific Palisades just west of Los Angeles, and he's used to getting what he wants. Spiegel's been looking for a way into the tech world for years. Last summer, Spiegel and his friend Bobby Murphy put together a website called Future Freshman. It's designed to help parents, high schoolers, and guidance counselors manage the college admissions process. Kind of a knockoff of Facebook. But nobody's using it. Eventually, Spiegel and Murphy scrapped the idea. But the idea for disappearing photos... Now, this is different. Spiegel knows people will want in. So that very night, Brown and Spiegel start emailing developers. They're turned down a couple of times, but luckily, app developers are a dime a dozen at Stanford. Then a name pops up in Spiegel's mind. Wait, Reggie, what about asking Bobby? We worked together on the Future Freshman app. I know he'd be down. Bobby Murphy? Uh, Yeah, he graduated, but he's not doing anything yet, right? where Spiegel is loud and opinionated. Murphy is calm, quiet, 
and a great developer. He knows how to code. To speak on Brown, it makes perfect sense to include him. Six years ago, then 19-year-old Mark Zuckerberg was also sitting in his Harvard University dorm room, dreaming up a way to change the social landscape. By 2010, Zuckerberg decamps to Palo Alto, California, just up the road from Stanford. Zuckerberg is just another young entrepreneur, hard at work on his invention, which has made him the social media king, tech's new wunderkind. Facebook has 500 million users by 2010. Zuckerberg is sitting on the fastest growing company in the world, thanks in large part to pictures. Right now, Facebook Photos is the largest photo sharing service in the world. People upload pictures and tag their friends in them, which increases traffic to the site as people check out the pictures of themselves. But Zuckerberg knows his success depends not just on his massive photo library, but on staying relevant. As he explains to an interviewer, being relevant means taking cues from the younger generation. So I, whenever, whenever I get a chance to talk to high school kids, I always want to ask them uh, what, what type of stuff they're using, right? Because, you know, I think I'm kind of young, but when you talk to high schoolers, you, like, feel old immediately, right? Yeah, I, I know. And, um, Facebook is so big, it goes to Hollywood. In October 2010, the social network opens across the country. It's the story of how Zuckerberg and his friend Eduardo Sabarin start a website together and how that business rips them apart, devolving into an ugly lawsuit. Zuckerberg comes off as the villain who steals ideas and backstabs his friend. Mark, what is this? A what? This. It's called a cease and desist letter. The Winklevoss twins are saying that you stole their idea. I find that to be a little more than mildly annoying. Oh, well, they find it to be intellectual property theft. They're saying that we stole the Facebook from Divya Narendra and the Winklevoss. I know what it says. Did we? Did we what? Don't screw around with me now. Look at me. The letter says we could face legal action. No, it says I could face legal action. Do they have grounds? The grounds are our thing is cool and popular and Harvard Connection is lame. Wardo, I didn't use any of their code, I promise. I didn't use anything. Look, a guy who builds a nice chair doesn't owe money to everyone who ever has built a chair, okay? They came to me with an idea. I had a better one. Why didn't you show me this letter? I didn't think it was a big deal. Zuckerberg and Saverin eventually settle out of court. The Winklevoss twins win a $65 million settlement from their lawsuit with Zuckerberg. But Zuckerberg still wins. After all, he's in charge. And he's got mountains of dough. If Spiegel, Murphy, and Brown saw the movie, they'd be looking at a future version of themselves. In fact, that movie will prove an abject lesson for dozens of brilliant tech teams with giant dreams and a loose grasp on intellectual property law. But back at Stanford, Spiegel and Murphy are hard at work. Murphy begins to develop the code. Brown agrees to handle marketing. Spiegel takes the lead as CEO, designing the app's interface and business plan. He passes his mock-ups to Murphy, who codes them into reality. They start building a website where a user uploads a photo and sets a timer that limits how many seconds the recipient can see the photo before it vanishes. But uploading a photo from your computer onto a website is clunky. It dawns on the team that maybe they don't need a website. Everyone takes and stores photos on their phones, so they create an app designed for a mobile device. They call it Peekaboo, 
It's a play on the childhood game of peekaboo, but spelled like pick, short for picture. Its logo is a white ghost set against a yellow background. That summer, they moved to Spiegel's father's palatial home in Pacific Palisades, where they keep working on that app. Murphy graduated a year ago, but Spiegel and Brown are returning to Stanford for their senior year in the fall of 2011, so they need to get this done over the summer. Brown spends his nights partying. Meanwhile, Spiegel and Murphy grow closer. It's July 13th, 2011. Spiegel, Murphy, and Brown are huddled around a computer in Spiegel's dad's living room. Today, the first version of Peekaboo is debuting in Apple's App Store. The app is free to download. It defaults to a front-facing camera, encouraging users to take a selfie. Once they snap that picture, they can send it to selected contacts by swiping right. The trio go out to dinner to celebrate the launch. They cap off the meal with a cake frosted with the ghost logo. The next day, Spiegel uses an analytics platform to track their downloads. He calls Brown over to his laptop. This can't be. Spiegel refreshes the page. Nothing. They've gotten virtually zero downloads. What the hell? Instagram was downloaded 40,000 times the day it was released. Why haven't we had that? I'm sorry, man. I don't know. We need to get word out. We got to reach out to journalists to get them to write about the app. Brown is in charge of marketing. He should step up to volunteer. Yeah, that would work. Spiegel pauses, but Brown doesn't step up. (sighs) Fine, I'll do it. Spiegel targets tech bloggers like the millennial guy site Bro Bible and starts writing. I just built an app with two friends of mine, and we think you might really, really like it. It's called Peekaboo. You just take a picture, set the timer to 10 seconds, and send it to a friend. When they receive your Peekaboo, they can view it until the timer runs out, and then it's gone forever. Fun stuff. He doesn't get any bites. Peekaboo still has only 127 users. Damn, this is pathetic. We gotta do something to get noticed. His mind goes right back to where he started. He thinks, maybe we should market it more explicitly as a sexting app. He drafts a press release that succinctly states Peekaboo's appeal. Peekaboo lets you and your boyfriend send photos for peaks and not for keeps. The clock is ticking. They can't keep pushing on an idea with no traction forever. Murphy's parents are begging him to get a real job. Secretly, Spiegel thinks Brown is not doing enough. Sure, he came up with the idea for the app, but no one is downloading it. It must be because Brown's not doing a good job marketing it. He takes his concerns to Murphy. Bobby, I think we need to cut Reggie out of the company. Yeah, I suppose. He's just not pulling his weight. Look, man, you and I started Future Freshman together. This has always been about us. Yeah, man. Let's keep it 60-40, just like Future Freshman. I get 60% for the initial idea and development. You get 40 for the code. That sounds good to me. And, and Reggie? Reggie's out, man. They don't know it. But Reggie is eavesdropping on the conversation. And he hears 
every word. He feels betrayed, but doesn't confront them. (laughs) Not yet. With the app languishing and tensions escalating, Brown heads home to South Carolina. Then, on August 16th, 2011, Brown calls Murphy and Spiegel. Guys, I've been thinking, I need more credit. I came up with the original idea. I came up with a peekaboo name, and I came up with a ghost logo. I want 30% of the company. Spiegel is furious. Brown spent all summer partying instead of working with him. You don't deserve anywhere near that. But I directed your talents. I, I told you what to do. That's the last straw for Spiegel. He hangs up. He and Murphy cut Brown off, changed the administrative passwords for the app, and stopped speaking to him. Brown responds by inundating them with emails, calls, and texts. Spiegel and Murphy ignore him and continue building their nascent company. Then, more bad news arrives. Peekaboo receives a cease and desist letter from a photo book company with the same name. Spiegel and Murphy need to come up with something new, a name that captures the concept of communicating with pictures, a name that evokes pictures disappearing quickly. On September 16th, 2011, Peekaboo rebrands as Snapchat and relaunches in the App Store. This new update also allows users to add captions to their photos. Spiegel is now CEO. Murphy is Snapchat's chief technology officer. It's been more than a year since they and Brown started working on Snapchat. Things aren't exactly going to plan. For starters, they barely have any users or money. Spiegel is learning that overnight success can take a long time. So Spiegel returns to Stanford for his senior year and Murphy takes a coding job. It's not the instant startup fairy tale Spiegel was hoping for, but they're about to get a lifeline from an unexpected place. It's the fall of 2011, and a young teen at an Orange County, California high school surreptitiously unlocks her iPad and opens up a new app she just downloaded. She snaps a selfie and uses her finger to scribble a caption. This class is so boring. She sends the picture to her friend who's sitting on the other side of the room. Her friend opens it, taps on the photo, and smirks. The image disappears seconds later. This is Snapchat in action. It arrived at the school a few weeks earlier by word of mouth. And it didn't start with some tech-savvy teen. No, Spiegel's mom tells her niece about Snapchat. The girl goes to a fancy school where every student is given an iPad to surf the web for research. Facebook is banned, but the administration doesn't know about Snapchat yet. Hardly anyone does. So the niece downloads it to her school iPad. The niece and her friends start using this new app to send each other pictures. For these teens, Snapchat is the digital equivalent of writing notes during class. Best of all, if they're caught, the incriminating evidence disappears. The app spreads like a virus through the Orange County High School. Meanwhile, Snapchat's user numbers finally start to pick up. 
They are near 1,000 downloads, a respectable beginning. But Spiegel and Murphy puzzle over the numbers, not sure what's going on. Then they notice something strange. The number of users peaks from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. School hours. What? Their key demographic is teenagers? Wow, that's a much younger audience than Spiegel pitched investors last year. Christmas 2011. Across California, teens are tugging their parents through malls into Apple stores to pick out new iPhones for Christmas. After whining his parents into buying a phone, one teen's first move is to download the Snapchat app. He snaps a selfie and writes a caption over it. Family time sucks, LOL. He swipes right and taps on his friend's name. It sends. His friend's at home with her parents when her phone lights up. She taps on her iPhone and holds down the photo to view it. She sticks out her tongue for a selfie posting next to the Christmas tree. I know, right? Just then, the family dog starts pawing at a low-hanging bauble. She grabs her phone and records a video. She quickly types a caption. LMAO. She swipes right and selects several names from her contacts. Send. Those kids tell their friends from other schools about the cool new app. Those friends tell more friends. The daisy chain is kicking into high gear. Over winter break, Snapchat usership grows to more than 2,200 users. 5,000 downloads. 10,000 downloads. By January, they hit 20,000 downloads. This is no disappearing act. Snapchat is real and growing exponentially. February 2012. Zuckerberg files with the SEC to take Facebook public. Zuckerberg claims he built Facebook to accomplish a social mission, to make the world more open and connected. The IPO will rain down a lot of money. But there's something tugging at Zuckerberg. He's used to being in charge and driving every major decision of the company. When Facebook goes public in May, the company is going to be under the scrutiny of many more investors. He's going to have to answer to a lot more people. Zuckerberg also knows that while he's the top dog now, that could easily change. People love using Facebook mostly to share photos, but there's a new kid on the photo-sharing block. Instagram. Instagram debuted two years ago and has quickly grown to 30 million users on the iPhone alone. By 2012, Instagram is worth some 500 million. Its users are now uploading more than 5 million new pictures every day. More importantly, Instagram is mobile first, something Facebook has struggled with. Zuckerberg founded Facebook for desktop computers, not mobile devices. But he knows mobile is the future, and that Instagram is big competition. And the best way to deal with competition is to buy it. So in April 2012, he makes an offer. $1 billion. Double Instagram's most recent valuation. Instagram accepts. It's the first time Facebook has ever acquired a company with so many users. Zuckerberg means business. And it's a move that will mean trouble later on for Snapchat. Just before Facebook goes public, 
Zuckerberg translates his letter to investors into a manifesto for employees. He has it bound into a red book and has a copy placed on every employee's desk. The book's title is Facebook Was Not Originally Created to Be a Company. In it, he pressures employees to innovate. It ends with a nerve-wracking threat. If we don't create the thing that kills Facebook, someone else will. Meanwhile, Spiegel is tracking the photo-sharing business closely. He knows he's sitting on a gold mine if he can just grow, grow, grow his users. But while Spiegel is watching Zuckerberg's every move, Snapchat isn't even on Zuckerberg's radar. When Zuckerberg finally does notice, unlike Instagram, Spiegel will be unwilling to negotiate terms of surrender. On the next episode, Snapchat spreads from one Orange County high school to national phenomenon, and Zuckerberg threatens to crush Spiegel's young company. From Wondery, this is Business Wars. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we invite you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. There's a link on the episode notes. If you tap or swipe over the cover art, you'll see some offers from our sponsors. Please support our show by supporting them. If you like what you've heard, it would be terrific if you could give us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe, too. There's another way to support us, and that's by answering a short survey at wondery.com survey. And while you're at it, don't forget to tell us what business war stories you'd like to hear. We should say something about the conversations in our episode today. We can't know exactly what was said, but this dialogue is based on our best research. I'm your host, David Brown. Natalie Robomad wrote this story. Karen Lowe is our senior producer and editor. Emily Frost edited this story. Our editor and producer is Jenny Lauer Beckman. Sound designed by Kyle Randall for Bay Area Sound. Our executive producer is Marshall Louie. Created by Hernan Lopez. Or wondering.